0: Hey everyone, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Game Talk Radio. I'm your host, Greg. My co-host today, and always from now on, unless he does something really stupid, is John. How are you doing today, John?
1: Well, now I feel under the pressure.
0: Oh, it's a lot of pressure, this show. When when you said it's that time of the week, I wanted to make a period joke really badly. (laughs) Mm. Well, I don't know if you know how those things work, but it's not usually every week at a certain time. It's usually every month at a certain time. But hey, you know, hey, hey. I, I'm no expert, just the things I hear. <laughs> um so uh so how you doing, man? What uh what you been up to this week?
1: Uh working. Um
0: <laughs> Now last That's week wasn't it. it something like you only ha- you didn't have a day off for seven days or something? What was that?
1: Uh well my last paycheck from for the last two weeks worth of work had a hundred and forty ish hours on it. Um
0: <laughs>
1: uh, dang. So, so yeah, my, my last, and that's two weeks worth of work. So my last paycheck was very good, but I didn't have much time to do anything.
0: <laughs> payday for John means payday for Greg. So that's, well, that's just, it, not it, even, <laughs> really. well, not even then because like <laughs> I got
1: done today and I got home at 8 PM and you would have been closed. Yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I rushed the heck out of there today. I always do on Wednesdays, Wednesday nights, obviously everyone's listening to this Thursday morning or Thursday, but, uh, Wednesday nights when we record it so it's like yeah when Wednesday night rolls around like I work till 8 I'm supposed to work till 8 30 but if we get done at 8 I just bounce out of there like there's not a single extra project going on after 8 <laughs> o'clock on a Wednesday night I'm just out of there <clears throat> um so we've got the uh we've got some interesting stuff going on today so obviously we have our uh, story we want to talk about we want to talk about this um what's been dubbed the Nintendo Giga Leak. And it's this massive leak that's taken place. Or I should say it's it was a massive hack of Nintendo at some point. The details are still sketchy as to when the actual hack occurred. But they've been trickling out information here and there. So another trickle came out last week. And, and so we want to talk about some of the things that were discovered. Because there's some really neat stuff there. But I also want to address the ethical question a bit. Right? Because I've seen a few uh, articles bring up how, you know, it's stolen information... Uh, But then there's also this really interesting like unearthing of it, right? Like a fossil, um, almost. And in this industry, which is so young, it's it's rare to find that, Uh, especially from a company that doesn't typically let anyone see inside of it in Nintendo. So we're gonna talk a little about uh, what was leaked and what's kind of cool about that. But we're also gonna go into the ethical questions surrounding that. So we're gonna talk a little about that. We a lot
1: of. A lot of the reveal stuff will be totally fresh to me because I didn't prepare prepare for this at all,
0: which is so weird because <laughs> normally we're both so prepared for this every week. What an hours and hours of prep work uh, um, i've
1: seen I've seen a little bit of of talk online, um but i I didn't get a get a chance to like really dig into any of the articles. so so you'll probably be telling me a lot of new information.
0: All right, well, good. See, now you get to hear for the first time. Uh, so, of course, uh, we have our Games of the Week picked out. We have our Pickup Piles of the Week. Uh, and this week, we're going to do things a little bit differently. I, I I realized I was having all the fun with, uh, with, with the game show we've been doing with, with the Internet's hottest new game show cover to cover <clears throat> with Greg and John. And then I realized John's not having any fun. He just has to come up with these <laughs> games and try to stump... Me, the guru, and so I, I wanted to bring some today, this week, for John. So this actually is new, John. I didn't tell you this yet. Um, We're going to skip me this week. We're just going to do okay. you, so save those good ones you have picked out. Save those. We're going to skip me this week, We're gonna and we're going to go for you, and this special one I picked for you this week is very similar. It's a cover game show, but yours is going to specialize, kind of what we chatted about a little bit, not too many, not too long ago, about how uh, the the games, the specific cars that are on the cover of games. So I have five picked out, five games picked out, and we're gonna see how you do. Okay, so we're gonna flip the tables on you. And then we had talked, um, before about um, like doing something fun with you as well. Like right, like like me, I do the covers. What could you do? And we had tossed around a couple ideas. One of them being like, hey, you can tell us what studio made a game because you you know you really you really follow that you take that to an extra level. So we're gonna look into getting that kicked off and we might do like an every other week thing. Like one week will be Greg's cover to cover and then another week might be something else. So I don't know. Uh so we'll see how it goes. Uh um, I wore a
1: car themed shirt uh <laughs> because of the uh the game that you proposed. Oh excellent. Um well, Although, good I I'm glad say, I'm a little nervous on the randomness of the, the games that you're going to pick up much. Like you were nervous the first day before, uh, sure. Before we went through, like, I'm also like, Oh God, do I actually know the covers of like a <laughs> racing games at, that well?
0: Amazing. <laughs> uh, so that should be, uh, that should be pretty fun. I think it, I think it'll be a little bit different, but it'll be a little fun. Um, so, uh with that being said, John, uh I don't have a rant this week. I had something in my head that I was bouncing around a couple of days ago. I don't know where it went. <laughs> but I went looking for it today in this brain of mine and it wasn't up there. So we're gonna skip past the rant of the week and we're just gonna talk about our story. So we're gonna get right into it. Um the uh the, the it's been leaking for about a week. Uh, this, this Nintendo giga leak and, uh, that's what it's been dubbed. And there's some really interesting <laughs> stuff in here. So first we're going to talk about some of the leaks and we're going to talk about how cool some of that stuff is. And then we're going to address the ethical question, which is, is this okay? Is this good for the industry? Having a big company like this have things leaked that aren't necessarily that old. I mean like, yeah, you could argue it's 20 years old, but that doesn't mean that they're still not using some of this, or they might, you know, like it could still be used to damage the company, possibly in some way, maybe, right? So, we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, but first, let's talk a little bit about the Giga leak. So, at, at first, Vice did a pretty good article about this that I was checking out. Patrick Klepik did this one, he's he's pretty good with uh, when he covers something like this. And, um, so the idea is that they still don't actually know where this information is coming from, there was some hack somewhere. Um, It's possible it was one from a couple years ago. There's possible it was from one when, uh, like, there's Nintendo servers. were having issues. Excuse me. So there's a whole bunch of possibilities of where it actually came from. Nobody really knows for sure. But little by little, the information seems to be trickling out. So not all the information comes out at once. That's what's so weird, right? Like, whoever has it will leak, like, a gigabyte at a time of all these different things. But, like, apparently the hack happened once and now someone's slowly releasing the information hmm. which which i think kind i mean it's kind of neat obviously it could be damaging but it's kind of neat um do
1: we know what like where the leak is being uh disseminated to like who they're bringing this information to
0: yeah ultimately it's hitting 4chan uh, and, and then that's yeah, <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> um and then and then like like for instance you know, the, the Vice article goes on to say on Friday afternoon, an anonymous 4chan user posted a link to several files hosted on anon files, which is a service for people to share material without fear. It'll get linked back to them. Even in the rough and tumble world of 4chan, people were hesitant to see that they were there. So a bunch of people were saying, like, I'm not clicking that link. I'm not touching this. It's probably a virus. <laughs> Uh, And then, of course, someone, as someone always does, someone did download it and realized they were sitting on something far more than a virus. That's what the article says. Around the same time... three viruses. Yeah, two to three (laughs) to four viruses. Around the same time, a community of enthusiasts who specialize in dissecting rare gaming material became aware of what happened. Thanks to bots, they programmed to scrape places like 4chan, that group who has to keep their name a secret because of Nintendo's frequent history of issuing lawsuits.
1: (laughs) So... (laughs) I would assume that's probably whoever they are probably works with Unseen64. Yeah, yeah. uh, Because those guys dig into stuff like this.
0: Yeah, and and so... uh, And then that's when they go on and say that's when everything exploded. There was a Discord channel where in real time you could watch hundreds of fans pick apart the files. And so they had all this information, but it was tons and tons of data. So people were going through and all of a sudden to be like, holy crap, I just found this. Holy crap, I just found this. Um, someone snuck the F word into source code for link to the past. Um, <laughs> and, so, um, and, and so was that actually one of them? Yeah. Yeah. That's one of them. All right. <laughs> so what I want to talk about first, I thought IGN actually put together a pretty good compilation of some of the neater stuff that was found so far in the leak. And, and so uh, a couple of things, these are a couple of the highlights of what was found. And John, you're hearing some of this, you're hearing this for the first time because you didn't get a chance to check this out today, obviously being so busy. Um, so the first one, they discovered that Luigi is actually in the source files for Super Mario 64. And so there was a rumor of that for a long time. And, and like, they were, there was this on Twitter, L is real was trending for a long time. And it was just kind (laughs) of like, you know, now apparently, uh, it was just going to be an intro thing. Like in the game, he was never going to be playable. He was never going to, there was never a two player mode, anything like that, but he was going to appear in the game as a character. Uh, and so... the character model I saw, because I did see the Luigi thing, uh,
1: looked exactly like the Mario character model. Like to me, it didn't look like Luigi, other than it had a green outfit. Like he didn't look taller. His face
0: didn't look different. Yeah, me. he didn't have like, like a bigger nose or anything. Like it was pretty much yeah. kind of the same.
1: And and the the DS version of Mario sixty four actually included Luigi. Uh, Yoshi and Peach, I believe, as playable characters, didn't it?
0: I don't know, honestly. Uh I didn't play the DS version. I've only played the sixty-four version. Yeah, it's got awful.
1: Some they should have ported it to something. <laughs> <laughs> using the stylus as a uh as an analog stick is just just awful. Yeah,
0: I, I like and that's why and and we talked about this on the podcast. Um but remember they were supposed to do that Super Mario collection or whatever. You know, there was yeah. rumors of that. I mean that's that's nowhere to be seen as of yet um so that was one of the big ones this one i found really interesting a canceled pokemon mmo uh uh, apparently um files in the leak suggest that iq which is a chinese support company co-founded by nintendo worked on a prototype for a pokemon game that would be playable by connecting a Game Boy advance to a pc if you were offline the game would allow players to catch around 30 pokemon in a game based on the fire red and leaf green installments connecting to the pc and going online would add a hatch system that used multiple conditions to determine what pokemon eggs would appear feature weather based on the region you were connecting from add online battle tournaments based on pokemon coliseum's code and more and you can see an iQ presentation in the tweet below um so that doesn't sound
1: like an mmo I like mean, it i mean it sounds like very basic like online battling too
0: sure it's i would say like, it's it's not in. an It's not an MMORPG, but it is a massively multiplayer online game. But, I mean, I agree that, you know, it just basically sounds like you would connect to other people. So I I kind of agree with you. Like, like MMO is kind of a little bit of a stretch, I think, yeah.
1: It sounds like shitty tacked on multiplayer.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: that requires a a PC as a peripheral. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> it just need a 7 to $1000, 700 to $1000 $1, peripheral to play this. Which uh, that's right at Nintendo's Alley. Um I love how it was the Game Boy Advance too. Hook up the Game Boy Advance to a PC. and Just go nuts. Yeah,
1: well, and they they had the Game Boy Advance to GameCube link cable, like they couldn't think of a way to like use the modem from the <laughs> the GameCube.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nope, got to have a PC. Which Nintendo is notorious for not doing anything on PC hardly, so. Right. Uh, they they went on to talk about uh, the early maps in Zelda Ocarina of Time. Um, the key discoveries around Ocarina of Time have centered around areas that seemingly didn't make it into the final version of the game, and others that were perhaps planned for the 64DD Ura Zelda hmm. expansion. Um, so there's some cool stuff there. Um, like an early Kokira Forest, uh, there's a baby skeleton alpha enemy, like I don't know like I mean it's 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 alpha stuff it's it's whatever it's stuff that gets cut it happens um, and I don't know if anyone listening to this has ever been there or if you've John if you've been there John but there's a web oh, there's a website called the cutting room floor and it's specifically about stuff that's been cut out of video games and it's so okay. cool like and it's got it's like a huge database of all this information of things that were cut out of games or, or what's in early prototypes of games it's super interesting you know really really cool stuff. Um, there's a prototype for Yoshi's Island apparently, which was at one point called Super Mario brothers five Yoshi's Island. So in the title card, let me get the, Oh, 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 is this, is this
1: the, the stupid light gun game? Or are we talking about, uh, no, this is,
0: this is Yoshi's Island. So Super Mario world two, and it's got a little bit different art style. Um, like, like some of the art styles implemented, I should say.
1: Um, different art style than what it that ended up shipping with.
0: Yeah, but what's cool is on the okay. main menu, it actually says like Super Mario Brothers Five Yoshi's Island, which is which is kind of cool. You know, obviously early on things you know things change. Um, this which, which is I, weird too because Super Mario World wasn't Super Mario Four, <laughs> right? W- w- and and actually, I feel like I've seen that called that in early versions, so like Super Mario Brothers Four, Super Mario World, or Super Mario. Bro- it was called like Super Mario Brothers Four. Uh, in some documentation like out there i don't think it ever obviously didn't make it into the game but um so then then there was something one of the oddest and most fully fledged discoveries so far is a game seemingly titled super donkey which may have been an early version of super mario world 2 which would become yoshi's island it features an unknown character who the article goes on to say could be a version of mario but rendered in the yoshi's island art style and the game features similar mechanics to what would become Yoshi's Island, but a different set of visual assets. So it looked more like Super Mario World. Or, or visual okay. assets as in like, like it, it still looked like Yoshi's Island, like that was the art style, but it has like totally different art assets. Like the trees look different, stuff like that. So I want to play neat. Super Donkey. Yeah. I, I it, Well, just give the give the ROM hackers and modders like a month and you probably can. <laughs> um, now I'm
1: just imagining like Super Mario World, but starring, starring Donkey from
0: Shrek. I'm going to fly... Oh yeah, yeah. So it's <laughs> it's cool, like I'm watching the video here on this Twitter clip and uh, it's, I mean there's not a lot here but it just shows like from the start point he launches up and then he flies. It doesn't really look like Mario but no, whatever.
1: The, the one I saw which I thought was interesting was that uh, they found a boss in Super Mario 64 that was supposed to be in one of the lava levels that was removed from the game but the full, the full character model was there, and then the I think it had dialogue potentially, and then uh, in the source code they also found uh, key clues to like what level it was going to be in, which was going to be one of those uh, those Bowser boss levels in the the lava platforms. Sure. And so so modders took that character and put him back into the game. On one of the the Bowser fight looking platforms, and then you fight this boss in that level, which oh, okay. is pretty sweet.
0: Nice. Um, so the next, they found a prototype Super Mario Kart slash Mario Kart sixty four. So <laughs> it, it it looks like they basically did the um I, the Mode Seven. Is that what it's called when you do like the th- yep. the 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 faux three D? Yep. And. Uh, the- yeah, and it looks very similar to that except in Mario Kart. So that's kind of Well neat. Mario Kart did
1: use that. So I'm pretty actually, sure actually
0: now I think I'm wrong about the mode seven. I'm like this actually looks like Star Fox. Like it has pot like the Super FX chip or whatever that was okay. needed for whatever to like give the illusion of like polygons.
1: Cause mode seven was when like flamey, the dragon is flying and I think it's name's flamey. Oh yeah. So, Secret uh, mana.
0: Yeah. Good point. So it's, it's not mode seven cause that's like pilot wings. I think too, when you're in the air or whatever and it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So not that. Um, but yeah, so it's like this kind of pseudo 3d. It looks kinda almost like star Fox type backgrounds. It's, it's kind of awesome. You know? Um, then there's this, which I think's the coolest so far, but it's the canceled Zelda three slash Zelda two remake. So there was a sprite sheet that was discovered for a side-scrolling Zelda to follow Zelda Two. Um, the The community has this is the article. The community has variously speculated that it would have been an original Zelda Three for Super Nintendo, or could have been a Zelda Two remake to be played on the Super Famicom Satellite View peripheral. Um, what perhaps hmm. the most striking is that Link's sword on one sheet appears to be marked with blood, not something we'd associate with a family-friendly yes. series. So that's kind of that's kind of awesome. Um,
1: looks lopping heads.
0: Yeah, I mean, but it looks cool because like they show the sprite sheet and the way the animation works. It's very similar. Like it's all side scrolling, so it's not that kind of top down. You know, good like 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 Zelda Link to the Past sort of look. <laughs> um, so yeah, so kind of neat, and the art style is different too. Like how he looks, um, almost looks like an updated version. Which if they did an updated version of Zelda Two for the Satellite, I I could I could see that being something they would have done. Um they talk about they found a Pokémon Diamond and Pearl beta. Uh, there's a the prototype for what would eventually become Pilot Wings was called Dragonfly. So they found that. They have the the, hmm. the source code to that. Um, they they found beta visuals from Super Mario World that show the different evolution of Yoshi. <laughs> I
1: <laughs> which, saw this, which it's, is terrifying.
0: It's weird. <laughs> it's the early <laughs> ones are terrifying. <laughs> And then it goes to the Yoshi we all know and love today. Um, and then there was one where they talk about uh, the Super Mario World Bowser. And they have pictures of him with legs. Because <laughs> he's always in his yep. like little flying thing. So that's kind of weird. Yeah, it um, looks like he's
1: his legs are just jammed into that little flying car thing.
0: <laughs> the uh, The Super Mario World, they found an unused sprite of Luigi apparently giving the middle finger. Instead of a thumbs up or something, it's hilarious. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's a thumbs up, like he's holding it, but it looks like a middle finger, so it's hilarious. Um, and so the, uh, there's more. There's a lot more. And people are still digging through it because there's a lot to go through. But I, I have to admit, like, I thought it was pretty cool. Here, I'm showing the video of the evolution of Yoshi right now. It's like he gets, he's really skinny then he starts getting fatter. <laughs> and then he loses his tail <laughs> and then his head gets bigger. And his nose gets huge, his mouth gets huge. And then they add spikes. And it's yeah, pretty cool. That,
1: that, that refinement of Yoshi was key. I don't think anybody would be like buying Yoshi plushies of that creepy, long, like
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: scary, original Yoshi.
0: Yeah, I don't know who the revision came from, but thank you. I'd like to thank you personally for getting rid of creepy Yoshi and making cute Yoshi. Um, Although
1: watch watch them put out a bunch of creepy Yoshi plushes now
0: after it's oh, been you, revealed, you know someone's making like a a, a custom amiibo that's gonna be a <laughs> Yoshi amiibo, but it's gonna look like that. It's gonna be it's gonna be terrifying. Um, so let me be the first to say, I, I love stuff like this. I love pulling back the curtain. I, I think it's so cool to see the things we weren't meant to see. Okay, so I'm a fan of these sort of things. Like, I love digging in. I love finding out how things work. I love seeing that. However, the ethical question that I want to pose to you here, John, is... Is it okay with how we're getting this information? Does that not matter? As long as it's something that we care about that isn't really technically hurting anyone? Like, realistically, is this hurting Nintendo? No. Not saying that there isn't more stuff in there that could hurt them. Like who knows if there aren't email exchanges where maybe somebody, and this is not in there. This is just me speculating, right? What if there's an email exchange between companies and one of the email exchanges talks about maybe harassment by an employee or something, you know, and all of a sudden, and then Nintendo tried to bury it or something, not saying that happened. I'm just saying like, what if, right? So as of right now, none of this stuff is very damaging to Nintendo, but it's also like, it's theirs, not ours. So my question I want to pose to you is, do you feel and this is just an opinion, of course, do you feel at all like there's ethical questions with how we are finding out this information as interesting as it is?
1: Um, yes and no. Um, I mean, this reminds me of the half-life two, uh, hack and theft and leak. um, Because that massively affected their company. And it also pushed back the launch of that game by quite a bit. So that... That being a game that's not out yet, and somebody dumping the entire source code on the internet for everybody to pick through, I think is definitely not ethical. Um, And actually, the way that they caught that kid was that they... uh, they pretended that they were so impressed with his, uh, with his hacking skill that they were going to offer him a job.
0: Oh, isn't he that, flew de- out, oh no. He,
1: he flew out to Washington state, uh, cause he was from overseas. And so they got him to come to the U S and they, uh, I think they ended up arresting him at valve's office.
0: Oh no. <laughs> well, I um, mean, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's, oh man. How can you be so smart uh, and so equally stupid at the same time? (laughs) Right.
1: But, like, as far as this goes, like, this is all... So far, all of this is really old stuff. And I think a lot of this old stuff is really fascinating. Now, I think a smart company would look at the interest that's being generated from a lot of this old stuff and try to capitalize on it. To write a book... About like the the unseen Nintendo to to do a, a YouTube series to do a Netflix series about like behind the curtain of the Nintendo you didn't know um do a freaking episode of um uh what's the the Netflix
0: toys show how they were made
1: uh that one? yeah that one's all about like like the toys you grew up with that you oh love, that right? one yeah
0: yeah yeah I see what you mean Yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah like do a show like that about Legend of Zelda, about Mario, that sort of thing. Um, And I think that would be a good way to capitalize on this sort of thing rather than just throwing around lawsuits. Um, And then also, like, these sorts of things are where ROM hacks come from, too. Like, you get ROM hacks of the um, the Satellite View... Wasn't one of the Satellite View Zelda remasters... Turned into a rom hack, I believe.
0: Uh, well, yeah, they did like the 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 BS Zelda. They're they're referred to as, and those are basically yeah. They were like they, they were able to get the satellite games. They were able to remove the timers and like put yeah. them onto cartridges and stuff. the The only thing I would say it's a little bit different is some of these games here they legit have the source code for. Um, oftentimes older roms they had to decompile those, so they could they could pull them apart line by line and then start editing things. But mm-hmm. they didn't have like. The base code before being compiled. So I don't know. It feels a little different, but I'm with you. Like it, it, like it does lead to some really neat projects. Well, and like
1: realistically, the source code for like Zelda 64 and um, Mari 64 and these older games, like modders don't need that source code to make new levels for those games like they're already modding them this will just probably make it easier well Um, and they might
0: be able to look at it and see like how things work as opposed to assuming or like the i mean they get to actually go right in there and and see it you know as opposed to like altering a game they get to i mean they could rip it down and i mean ultimately they could i don't know it just seems like it's it's a little more invasive knowing that you've got the source code as opposed to just like taking a game's files and manipulating them in a certain way like it does to me it feels a little more invasive but you know but not any less interesting right yeah well and
1: like but it to me it comes down to how the age of the games like if we were talking about like somebody's somebody's found the source code for uh mario odyssey and they were digging into that that yeah. would be a little bit different, and maybe maybe we have that coming down the line uh, in in different releases. Um, frankly, I'm kind of surprised that Nintendo still has the source code for these old old games, because um, part of the problem with like Konami wanted to do the remasters of um, Silent Hill two and three uh, for um, for PS3 and Xbox 360, and they realized that they didn't have the final build for the games and that a lot of the music was not finalized. And uh, then also there were problems. Like I I think what I heard was that the builds they had for those remasters was like at like 90 to 95% development. And so all those bugs that they squashed back like 15 years prior, they had to figure out how to how to fix again with new development staff. Yeah. And so <clears throat> that created a problem. And there was, I've also heard uh, tales about like um, Panzer, Dra- Panzer Dragoon Saga. Sega doesn't know where the source code for that game is, which is part of the reason why we've never gotten Panzer Dragoon Saga re-released on a compilation, or like kind of a quick and dirty remaster type of thing, or that it wasn't ported to yeah. different systems, is that the everything I've heard was that they didn't have the original source code for the games.
0: How is that even and, possible? Right. How is that even possible? Like, they didn't think that far ahead?
1: Yeah, so like, well, I, I,
0: you, you kind of wonder if
1: back then they weren't thinking about like games as a medium that needs to be preserved they're thinking of it as we made a product we made a buck off of it on to the next thing who gives a shit about like like trying to preserve it for for archival purposes uh or or like hey in in 10-15 years this is going to be one of the most most sought after games of all time we should hold on to the the source code so that way we can we can possibly re-release it to somebody so, now yeah. now developers are definitely thinking that
0: <laughs> well so i could see that in the nintendo and super nintendo days i can't see that in the ps2 days because you knew that digital and and remasters and stuff were right around the corner you know like like you yeah. had i mean not they could have seen it i guess is the point not that they should have but that they could have seen it well, um,
1: Konami may not be the best-run company. Well, yeah, world. exactly.
0: Do a whole podcast on, on their... Uh, oh, by the way, speaking of which, they're getting into making computers now, because why not? Uh, ga- gaming PCs. Konami's getting into making gaming PCs. But that's that's neither here nor there. Um, so the the Vice article goes on to say... Source code represents hours, days, months, and years of hard work and blood, sweat, and tears and is very personal to every developer, said Q Games founder Dylan Cutbirth, who was a, program at, a programmer at Argonaut during the making of Star Fox. So it feels very intrusive to suddenly have random people on Twitter asking me or others to explain the context of every off-the-cuff comment in the code, as it's, at its best, it's ridiculous, at its worst, it's insulting. And so, of course, there's going to be somebody on the Internet, you know, who who, well, who goes too far and reaches out to one of the old programmers and says, why did you do this 30 years ago? You know, why did you do this 20 years the ago? The reason
1: also the reason why they're going to him is that this I'm pretty sure the source code that they're talking about is the um, uh, Star Fox 2.
0: Yeah. Yep. So, well, what's funny, though, in the article goes on to say internal emails from Argonaut which include a reference to arguments over porn being distributed around the office. So there we go. We already got some dirt. <laughs> we already got some dirt Mike. in the leak. They were all part of the leak. And while uh, while Cuthbert condemned the leak to Vice Games, he couldn't help but talk about the parts that fascinated him on Twitter. For instance, there's a picture of this, and he says, WTF, I haven't seen this tool I made for StarCraft II for almost 30 years. I wrote it in early C++ to teach myself the language more than anything else. Where the hell have hackers got all this obscure data from? And it's basically <laughs> like a... I mean, it's this... It's like a... I mean, it's just a basic... Like, it's, it's it says DOSBox. I think that's whoever's running it ran it in DOSBox. But basically, just like this old, like, crappy sort of um, message creator. So they could pick yeah what character... It
1: looks like Windows 3.1. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it looks terrible. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, And so the article goes on to say, Most companies are terrible at preserving their games, and piracy and other means have salvaged or saved many games, said a developer who specializes in preserving game history, who asked to remain anonymous to avoid disrupting any potential business deals with Nintendo. Ah, uh, Me- that was
1: totally digital, digital,
0: <laughs> digital <laughs> illusions. <laughs> um, quote, Based on this breach, Nintendo is much better than most at archiving, but that's why invasive data theft of this magnitude, while an anomaly, shouldn't be encouraged. End quote. Uh, the article goes on to say, Nintendo has a long history of responding to its most intense fans with legal threats, and has been to the most active and aggressive video game companies in having ROMs removed from the internet, even if there's no way to legally purchase those games anymore. Uh, similar to the rest of the industry it also shuts down services that with crucial parts of gaming history preventing future players from ever gaining access so I guess my original question still remains um what is the ethical dilemma here like do, do you feel like there's any sort of I shouldn't be doing this because it was it was uh it was obtained through nefarious means or is this one of those things where you just go I don't care it's cool and it's not hurting anybody right
1: um I do think that it would be nice if they did some a little bit of editing to like, like the the mention of like porn being distributed around the office uh, at Argonaut. Like, I don't think anybody needs to drag that out, right? Um,
0: the problem is though, but, when you turn the faucet on, it all comes out. Like, there's no picking yeah. and choosing with this stuff. Like, anything that's in there is coming out.
1: Well, I mean, like by whoever. Whoever has this crap, like it would be nice if they if they would edit it a little bit. But I mean, I'm sure that the the thrill of revealing things that that, you know, that other people don't know is definitely a big thing. So I'm guessing whoever is doing this probably has the just the biggest just knowledge boner right now. Just, just like, yes, <laughs> there's something.
0: Well, yeah. And, and let me let me run this by you. Um, I I wonder sometimes if like, is is part of it because these companies want everything to be so magical. They don't want you to see behind the curtain, right? They don't want you to see the wizard of Oz for who it is. They want you to see the wizard. Like, I, I just feel like if you start digging into their code, you may find out this is not well made or this isn't this is this is you know now to me I look at that and I go I love the human side of it I love to know that these things like video games aren't magical devices or magical things that are willed into existence through wishes I mean these are created and so to see how they're made like I love that and I wish that companies would open their doors more and And like me for instance um, many people don't know this maybe some do I've made a game from start to finish. It's terrible. I'm not going to tell you what it is. So you can't, you can't even play it online anymore. It's been taken down.
1: I've played it. It's god
0: awful. Y- John's played it. It's terrible. <laughs> I'm ashamed of its existence. Okay. Fair enough. Um, But I it think... It,
1: it would have been <laughs> tolerable as a phone game.
0: But it wasn't. I agree. That was actually the original intention. Uh, was to get it uh, onto phones eventually. But, you know... When yeah, you, you made
1: it before iPhone though. I it it before, so like, it, pretty early.
0: It was it was our goal was to put it on iPhone originally. We were gonna use Flash, and then we found out Flash wasn't compatible with the iPhone, oh, okay. so then we had to start using Unity. Which which was fine, except that you know, the I mean the game wasn't any good, so it doesn't matter. Um, it, he made
1: Flappy Bird, but it got shit canceled Oh yeah, someone it stole in. it from yep. me. Oh yeah, yeah, it was yep. terrible. Some, some guy in China who's <laughs> making twenty thousand dollars a day off of it. I'm, I'm pretty okay, sure that Greg was. And his buddies are just crying.
0: I think that was Vietnam, but yes. Uh, was he was he from Vietnam? I'm, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay. Uh, but anyway, uh, so I, I understand, like me personally, if if like say I make a game again in the future and it's really popular, and people like discover this other game that I've made, and they go. <laughs> oh my god like this is terrible like talk to me about it i will tell you i would love telling those stories i love sharing information I, It's just how who i am i love telling stories i obviously if you listen to this podcast you know that i love telling stories i love informing people i love educating it's the whole reason i do this podcast um so to me it's not intimate to me it's like oh let me teach you let me show you like like it's not magical right? And and so sometimes when something works, I, I would love to share with someone that sometime, you know? Uh, but I understand though that it's it's my choice to be that way, you know? And so if Nintendo is choosing not to reveal things like this to the public, I, I, I feel like we kind of have to respect that, you know? And so I guess I don't know if I'm hurting it by doing this story and, and making people aware <laughs> of it or sharing the highlights um, but I am torn because I love the knowledge side of it. I, I I love pulling back the curtain. I love seeing how development works. I love the stories about like how this got made, how that got made this deal, that deal. One of my favorite books is the console wars, uh, where they talk about the behind the scenes stuff with Sega and Nintendo during the 16 bit era. And it's just, it's awesome information. I love that. I, and I love people to be informed. Like often many, many quote unquote gamers, you know, they they read their news articles and they feel like they're informed, but they don't go the extra level. Not that they have to, but they there's such an interesting way of understanding how these things are created. But that's also information that's typically given to us, not information that's stolen. And so I don't it's tough, right? Because I want to say it's like the Indiana Jones line. It belongs in a museum like <laughs> this stuff. I love the fact that it's known and I love knowing it. I love carrying this over and and knowing that in five years when I'm doing this podcast, still I'm going to say, oh, man, you know, five years ago, there was this Nintendo leak and they just unearthed something new, you know, something like that. And and so it's it's cool. It's interesting. But like ethically, is it correct? I mean, ethically, is it is it? I mean, it's a morally gray area, like for sure. But I don't know. I'm so torn because I'm being selfish when I say I want to know everything. I want all the info. I want it all. But it also isn't hurting anybody, <laughs> like like. Right. Is this leak now? It's not hurting anyone now, but what if? And again, these are this is uh, like warning, warning alert. This is just strictly me riffing on a possibility. What if somewhere in these files, someone you know twenty five years ago buried some co- in the code, buried something about uh, you know f this boss or I hate I hate the people playing these games more than I hate my boss or something, right? Something really, and it ends up being someone who's really respected and loved and something like that comes out and just destroys them. You know, I mean the idea of cancel culture and your past sins coming back to haunt you is not unrealistic. It's something that we right. see happen all the time. Um, It all depends on what you have to lose today. Not what you had to lose back then, but what you have to lose today, you know, and, and, People like David Jaffe don't really have to apologize to anybody because he's got nothing to lose today. And he's always been the same kind of developer. Like, he's been that guy who's crass and on the edge all the time. And so, like, it's not like you're shattering your image of him. But that doesn't mean that there's and not... Are
1: sitting on David Jaffe? No, he's I, kind... I
0: love David Jaffe. I, I love him. <laughs> but what what my point is just that he's been crude his whole career, right? It's kind of like um like Bill Burr, the comedian, if anyone's follows comedians. I love Bill Burr, he's my favorite comedian. He has nothing to lose. So he just does his thing. But someone like Kevin Hart, who's trying to like break into this mainstream sort of, you know, I don't know, Steve Harvey, you know, like Eddie Murphy kind of like 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 wants to be like a family-friendly face, he he like he, he, something comes back from his past and it burns him really badly. You know, because he's got something to lose his ambition to to go to the next level and and, and like this, this, this wholesome level or whatever. And a lot of comedians, I think, struggle with that because a lot of comedians are funny because they're really edgy and whatever. So anyway, I'm going off on a long tangent here. I didn't want to take it all the way that far, but there's just a a (laughs) part of me that's like, like, at what cost is this okay? You know what? What if something is eventually unearthed there? You know what? What if, you know. I don't know like what if somebody snuck something really bad into a game as a joke and then it comes out and Nintendo has to like fight that fire now it's been buried all these years most people probably don't remember it but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to come out and attack the company for it now the, the sins of the past like always are drudged up even from 20-30 years ago
1: although some sometimes that hidden crap like is revealed and doesn't really even matter anyway i mean like there was the the rescuers had like a single frame of of uh like a playboy image of a topless woman in it and you heard about it 30 years later but they just scrubbed it out they moved on um sure sure the uh tiger the first tiger woods on playstation one had the the first episode of south park the um the jesus versus uh Frosty, I believe.
0: Uh, Santa. It's no, Santa versus Jesus. Santa yeah. versus Jesus.
1: Uh, had it on the disc.
0: Yep, and, I have that version.
1: Um, yeah, I've had the, I had one nice. come to the
0: store. Yeah, it was awesome.
1: Is is that actually worth anything? By the way,
0: it's worth more if you know how to look for it. But I think there's a lot of copies out there, and most people don't know how to search for it. Okay, but yeah,
1: if anybody doesn't isn't aware, like somebody, so on discs they have like dead like filler space. And somebody used that filler space to throw the the little short film that Trey Parker and Matt Stone made before South Park onto the Tiger Woods disc for Playstation One as filler space. And so if you know how to look for it and open it, you could watch it
0: yeah, on a PC. It's, it's hilarious. Like the idea that you pop in Tiger Woods ninety nine into your PC and if you if if you have the right version that was before a certain date before they caught it, basically, and took it out, you can straight-up watch that on the disc for Tiger Woods 99. (laughs) It's just Have you actually
1: watched it with your copy?
0: I did, yeah. The one that came Uh, to the store, I popped it in the PC, yeah.
1: Now, what is it? Like, did they just change the file name, basically, that you just need to change it back, or do you have to open it through a certain program?
0: I had to open it, I think, with VLC Player, which is, like, designed to play literally anything. And I forget what it's called. It's, um... It's 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 some weirdly randomly named file that you just have to find in there, and then you right click, open with VLC player, and it straight up just plays it, man. It's it's cool. Nice. It was it was it was funny because my understanding is that file exists on every copy of the game. It was just only later that they removed the video file that was the source of that file. So okay. so there are copies that'll have that file, but you right click and open it, and it won't be South Park. I don't even know if it's anything Dude. at that point. I, I kind of forget. I, I looked it up years ago, but.
1: Does it still look like a shitty VHS recording? Oh of it, yeah! Or is oh it actually yeah! Higher fidelity.
0: Nope. No, it is. It's just as rough as you'd see anywhere else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. But yeah. So I guess I, I I am so torn on this because personally I love seeing behind the curtain. It's it's one of my favorite things about this industry is to go a little further than everyone else to go a little deeper understand how things are made understand the process also to kind of like not in a bad way but it takes like the magic out of it it takes the mysticism out of making games and just shows that they're just people they're just people making games i love the humanized side of that that i mean these games aren't magical they're they're the they're the combination of a ton of hard work by really talented individuals but it's not some mythical process you know um now me i love sharing my information so i'd probably share anything with anybody anytime about anything i've made with the exception of the name of the game i made because i'm embarrassed by it and quite frankly i don't <laughs> want anybody to know whatever. It, it it took me it took me like 2 years did i even wait did i tell jordan i don't think I, what i was i think what i'm going to do is i'm going to i'm going to get it working on my macbook because i've got <laughs> And like, then make him play it yeah i've got like the final <laughs> build and i'm going to have him play it as like a drop rate review so he can he like play it up on
1: itch.io so that way he can
0: play. It. I might have to, I might have to make an itch.io page. And be like, dude, I heard about this game. Have you seen this? It's kind of wacky. You should try it out. But <laughs> um, he'd be on to me, man. Like he knows, he's smarter than that. Um, but anyway, actually, I, if I remember correctly, he did find out what the game was because. Like if you go through my Facebook, my old Facebook post, like you can find it. And and look, I may not share it on here, but I don't care if you find out what it is. And if you ever tweet at me and you're like, <laughs> "Is this the is this the pile of crap that you made, Greg?" I will be honest and tell you if it is. Um, it's no longer playable online. I can say that. Uh, I uploaded it to a site where you put Unity games. Uh, and it was hosted, except now the site, when you go there and try to play it, it says this game needs to be updated to the latest version of Unity. So what I'd have to do is I'd have to open the source files and then just recompile it in Unity and then re-upload it to the page.
1: Way you, too much work. What you could do, Greg, is zip it into a file that says Super Rare Nintendo Game. <laughs> Dump it into an anon file and then post it on 4chan and just be like, "Holy shit, this is an unreleased Nintendo oh, man. game!" Uh,
0: yes. I'm <laughs> Let be them like, do the work for you. To for, yeah. <laughs> I would assume it would. I'm gonna assume it would take the internet about five seconds to learn where that came from and to trace it all the way back to me. <laughs> like they, they so would show up at my house and be like, "Dude, we know you made this." I'm like, "How do you know where I live?" Um, like we need to kick you in the balls because this was not worth it. <laughs> yeah. But I will say this. Uh, I'm very proud of the effort me and my team put into making it. I'm not proud of the final outcome, right? It was supposed to be a one month project, make a quick phone game, get it on the store for a buck and make some quick dollars while we worked on the actual game we wanted to make. Um, and then it took us eight months to make it, uh, which is pathetic because the game's like, I should be able to do that in a weekend, not in eight months. <laughs> um, but, you know, you're learning as you go. Um, I put that ITT tech degree to work. <laughs> it took eight months to make a one weekend game. Um, but I love sharing that info, but that's my choice to share it, I guess, is my point. You know, and if Nintendo chooses not to share these things, I think that's their choice as a company. And 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 you can argue then that is that, is that not... Consumer friendly? Sure. Uh, is it the wrong thing to do for your fans? Sure. But it's their choice. You know, it's their stuff. And so I'm torn. I really am. Like, I can't tell you how I feel because I bounce back and forth from I know what it's like to have creative property and I want to have rights over my own creative property. And then to go to, yeah, but I just want to know everything. I want to know everything. I'm a sponge for like the industry and I just want to know everything that I can, that I find interesting. And so, yeah, I just have to say, I don't know. I I go back and forth on it quite a bit, but, um, I'm,
1: I'm positive. Like I, I like it a lot. And I think, uh, like I said, I, I would use this as an opportunity to, to generate interest in the company. Um, if I were Nintendo, um, I think Nintendo wants to be like a Disney, in the way that they're like, they always have mystery to whatever they're doing, like, sure. and they want they want there to be magic, and they don't want you to see behind the curtain at all. Just like at, like the Disney parks, like there's so much mystery to a lot of the the behind the scenes at Disney parks, and like certain like very exclusive clubs that that the average customer never gets to see, like all like, of like eyes wide shut parties, they keep yeah, it there on purpose. um no there it's it's like um it's like club 37 or something like that have you ever heard of that
0: Uh, i'm not a big disney guy
1: there's a there's a restaurant in disney that's like super exclusive that you um that you need to be a part of this group in order to even go into it and it's got like exclusive silverware and a menu that's like extravagant and all this other stuff and so there's a lot of people that that are super into Disney World that like get like pull information out of out of club members and stuff so like it i i find that that sort of stuff fascinating i've i've read up on that even though I'm not that big of a disney person i've only ever went to disney <laughs> world once when i was like 9 but nice. i like reading about that behind the scenes weird stuff and yeah. so it's the same thing with nintendo like i like I like seeing the, the prototypes and the possibilities that could have been. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. I I would hope Nintendo does something with release, release some, some of these games as downloads. Hell take the, the, the dude that put the, the boss back in uh, Mario 64, like pay him, pay him a thousand dollars. Uh, tell him, uh, tell them you're you're lucky we're not suing you for messing with our stuff and then release that onto the frickin uh, the switch as a as a game that you can buy
0: they they even you know the the guy who translated mother three even offered to give it to them for free just so they could release it and they don't it's I mean and they're a very traditional Japanese company they don't really want outside help they run things their way different from what we expect so i get it you know so so but i know they listen to this podcast so yeah. uh heads of nintendo i know you're listening john and i will officially sign up for and for the first year we'll do it for free we'll be the nintendo historians and you know <laughs> give us all this stuff we'll archive it we'll make it there should be a, where's a nintendo museum dude why is there not a nintendo museum and you could have these little tidbits of information like this and people would come and pay to look at it and you're just There's building a mustard your brand museum <laughs> mustard as a museum, mustard has a museum. <laughs> um so uh but yes so nintendo we'll, we'll wait for your call just have your people call our people um so john that's all i had for stories then that's our that's our nintendo that's our nintendo story there that was kind of ranty <laughs> yeah it was a little bit um so we have our games of the week we have our pickup pile of the week, but first, it's time for a special John edition of cover to Greg. cover, of Greg's cover Greg to uh, under the, the covers game, with game. Greg and John, John under the covers <laughs> with Greg, I don't know, uh, anyway, so I took a picture of the games, because I p- took a little stack here, so let me let me pull it up here, um, mm, okay, so, I hate when that happens, okay, so I've got five games picked out for you, John. All five games have a very clear picture of what vehicles, what cars are on the front. Now you're a car guy; you're wearing your you're wearing your M series shirt for your BMW right now.
1: You, I don't own the car anymore. Not but anymore. I had a I had a BMW M3
0: for 13, 14 years. Yeah, that was a nice ride, man. I remember when you first got it. that was that was neat. That was a lot of fun. Um, so I have five games picked out, and. Uh, with one with a tiny twist at the end, okay? Um, okay. What I'm going to say is all I'm asking for is the make and model. You can get some bonus points if you know the year, but who cares? <laughs> uh, really what I'm... I'm not going to. Yeah. What, what, I mean, and you could pick, like, generation, right? Like, you could say, like, you know, gen, you know, it's a Gen 3 Eclipse or something like that, which, by the way, it's not. Not a Merchant 3 Eclipse. (laughs) um, Okay, so let's get this shindig started, okay? so We're turning the tables on John this week. Um, So first up, John, this is on PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. The original Need for Speed Shift. Um, Now you better get this one. I'm lobbing you a softball on the first one.
1: I believe that's an E90... M3
0: GTR. That is correct. Congratulations! Insert applause here. Um, okay, now this one's a little bit of a throwback to uh, what we were talking about last we, we if mentioned week. If they're just
1: all M3 covers, that'd be great. Like if you did Need for Speed Most Wanted uh, original, which had my type of M3 on it, you could do like uh, the EA GT <laughs> GT cars. Yep. Which had, a, which had a nineteen uh, uh, mid-90s M3 on it. Like, i can get all
0: of them. <laughs> um, okay, so next up uh, is also for PS3 and 360. Now listen carefully. It is the Midnight Club Los Angeles Complete Edition. And your hint is that we were just talking about this. Not the cover of this necessarily, but the car in, in the last podcast. Or two podcasts ago. Sometime.
1: I definitely own that game, and I hate that game.
0: Now, do you remember what's on Uh, the original Los Angeles cover? Um... If I'm remembering correctly, I don't have it in front of me. If I remember correctly, I believe it's a Mustang. It's the new style Mustang, uh... Well, what would have been new style in like nine in two thousand seven. But like same kind of body style they have now. I think it was like a Shelby. Um, but hmm. I'm not sure about that. But
1: I have a weird yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think you got me on that
0: one. Alright, so on the cover Midnight Club Los Angeles Complete Edition, it is a white Evolution. Evo ten.
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, I couldn't think of that. For some reason, I had, uh, in my head, like, I had, like, a donked-out Cadillac, uh, with, like, giant rims. That's
0: Midnight Club 3. That's Duff Edition. Okay. (laughs) That's, but you're, so, yeah, you're close, though. You're close. Um, okay. So, next up, I I got, I got you two easy ones here, and then I'm gonna throw you a curveball at the end. So, number three, you are, you're one for two right now. So, the third one, this might be the easiest one on here. Now, this actually has two cars on the front. I'll, I'll give you... Well, it's half a point each, I guess. I can't give you two okay. points for one cover. But, this game has two cars on the front. Sega GT 2002 for the original Xbox. There are two cars um, on the front. One's yellow, and one's white.
1: I'm pretty sure the yellow one is the the GT40, or the Ford GT.
0: The GT40, that is correct. That's, the, that's I think, one well, I car. I think
1: technically that's the newer one, which is just the G, Ford GT. The oh, GT40 yeah. was the the 1960s one. Correct, correct.
0: Which, yep. have you seen Ford vs. Ferrari? I have. It's fantastic.
1: That was a good-ass movie. I saw that in the theaters, and holy shit, that movie is loud.
0: Yeah, oh, and the theater is probably incredible, yeah. Yeah. It that movie's was, really sad oh at God. the end. I won't spoil anything, but that was like, really sad.
1: Yeah, I... <laughs> That's one of those movies where I was like goddamn Christian Bale took a character that I had never ever known before and made him somebody I gave a shit about. Mm. Nice. Um, cuz like I like you never you never knew about that guy's side of the story. You you obviously hear about Carol Shelby um and you never knew about his best friend, which now I feel like a dick cuz I don't remember his name. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, if you haven't seen Ford vs. Ferrari, watch that movie. It's pretty
0: good. It's pretty good. So, John, quit stalling. Um, You got the Ford GT, the yellow car in the front. What's the white car behind it? hmm. Hint, it's another Ford. Is it a Mustang? It is not. So, it is the Ford GT90 prototype. It was oh, never well, a production well. car. Yeah. <laughs> so, you yeah, the GT40 or the GT and the GT90. Well, technically, there's a good. black car in the way background, too. And that one is... So, actually, I think the the yellow car is the GT40. Then the GT is the black one behind it. And then the GT90 is the white one on the cover. Which I love okay. that car, by the way. Like, the GT90, if I could somehow buy one of those... those, pro... Oh, my God. It's just a beautiful car.
1: Well, I mean, technically, there's a... There's a version of that game that has the beat from Jet Set Radio on the cover. So, half a point?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that'd be the Uh, (laughs) two-pack. We'll give you 0.75 a point. How about that? So you're 1.75 out of three. Uh, This is another easy one. I mean, I hope so. I know you've got this game for the original Xbox. What is on the cover? There's two cars technically, but I'm only looking for the main focus car in the front. Midtown Madness 3 It is a red What?
1: Uh, It's a Volkswagen Bug, isn't
0: it? Is that your final answer? I'm pretty sure there's Volkswagen Bug on my goddamn cover
1: Uh, Yeah,
0: I'm going with Bug Incorrect It is a Mini Cooper
1: Is there no Bug in the cover of that?
0: No, it's a red Mini Cooper and then there's a blue Corvette in the back yeah, okay. but I mean, it, the Mini Cooper looks like a little turd, like the, <laughs> like the bug does. So yeah, it's close. All right, John, your final one. So we're one point seven five out of four. I'm doing <laughs> awful at this. You're not very good at this, no. But that's okay. <laughs> we're good. That's okay. I actually thought I picked easy ones. I'm sorry. I really was going around the store like trying to pick easy ones. You um, dick. The uh, <laughs> the final one, and this I'm, I'm, your hint is that this is a little bit of a curveball. Okay, a little bit of a. Uh, the last, what vehicle is on the cover of Felony 1179 for PS1? It's yellow uh, with black It's a strips. shitty
1: yellow and black pickup truck.
0: Yeah. Do you know the make and model <laughs> of that um,
1: pickup truck? It looks like a Dodge Ram. It's I a mean, Dodge they're Ram. License-
0: yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> man. You got it. That was awesome.
1: Uh, The... What is the... What's the sequel to that game? Uh, it's something San Francisco, and it's on... Oh, Runabout San Francisco yeah. on Dreamcast. That's, I have an import of that game. I have an American copy of that game. And for some reason, neither of them will boot. <laughs> like, just have a really bad... So <laughs> bad they luck did... with that particular title.
0: Runabout 2 is actually on PS1? Are you thinking Vanishing Point? On Dreamcast? Super runabout. No, I... Super th- runabout. Okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't, ha- I don't have many Dreamcast games. I've only got uh, 43 Dreamcast games. So.
1: No, I have all of them.
0: You, you, you do, actually. I remember when you picked up... I think the last one you needed was uh, Arrow Fighters 2 or something you picked up. From uh, you.
1: No, it was a shitty basketball game. Um, <laughs> I think it was uh, NBA on NBC... Featuring Shaq
0: on the cover, I think, huh. was my last game. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. He's dunking real good on that. That's a good game, too. NBA Showtime. Um, all right. So, John, that is it for our game show this week. That's fun. I'm glad we got to change it up a little bit. I think what we're going to do is you had mentioned this, and, and, and uh, I definitely want to try it. I'm worried it's a little too similar to the game we already play. But to anyone listening out there, John and I talked today and thought it'd be really neat. One skill that John has is he's very knowledgeable about developers and publishers. So he wants me to tell him a game. And then he's going to tell me what studio made it and what company published it. And I thought that's pretty cool too. So it's like a trivia type game like we're already doing with cover to cover. But it's different. So I think we're going to start alternating week after week. So next week we'll go back to me doing cover to cover. And the week after that... We'll figure out whatever we're going to call this one, and then John's going to kind of like stretch his mind when it comes to who made what game and stuff like that. So I think it's going to be pretty fun. Um, so so just kind of changing up the game show segment of the podcast a little bit. Uh, but with that being said, John, we have our games of the week. We have our pickup piles a week. What is your game of the week this week?
1: Uh, I picked. This is the police,
0: uh, which. <laughs>
1: Is on Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. Um, I heard you laughing. Um, <laughs> have you played the game? Uh,
0: no. So. I, I have this... it. I actually bought it on PS4 because it looks really interesting to me. I just haven't played it.
1: I was not expecting to like this game as much as I did. Um, so the game starts out and. You are playing as the chief of police. Uh, the main character is voiced by John St. John, um, voice of Duke Nukem. Oh boy, um, he's doing a regular <laughs> ass voice. He's not trying to be Duke Nukem. There's zero one-liners in it. Um, and your your character's best buddy that he has been—it uh, was his partner from when he was on the or when he was a beat cop—has uh, been working with the mob. And you're the chief of the police. Of chief of police, and the uh, your buddy had gotten arrested, and is being charged for being or being the guy on the inside for the mob. And so the mob comes to you and says, "Hey, uh, he was the guy on the inside. Now you're going to be the guy on the inside." And so you are presented with this ethical dilemma of what the mob wants you to do is... The game The game kind of plays almost like you're... It looks like SimCity, so you've got your, your city in front of you, and then calls will come in, and you have to send uh, officers to each call. And so you kind of want to send, like, a veteran officer and a rookie officer together, because if you send two rookie officers to, like a, a stick-up at a convenience store, they might end up getting a shootout and one might end up dying. Whereas if you send a veteran officer with a rookie, you're more likely to, for them to come back safe. Um, and so what the mob wants you to do is they want you to look the other way. So they're going to be like, hey, you're going to get a call at the museum uh, tomorrow. You need to ignore it. You need to not send any, any police to that call. And... You can ignore it, or you can you can say, "Well, screw the mob. I don't want to. I don't want to do that." So when I played it, I was like, "Well, I'm. I that's not that's not the way I I live my life. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna do what the mob wants me to do." And so, a week of doing that in the game, and the mob boss comes to you and he's like, "Hey, why don't you meet meet us over at your buddy's house?" And so you go to the friend's house that was under that's being charged, and the mob has decapitated that guy's entire family, oh. and I believe they were hand hanging from a chandelier. And they're like, "You're gonna you're gonna stop screwing around. You're gonna start doing what we want, or this is gonna happen to you and your family." And it was like, "Oh, okay, shit. I didn't see that coming." <laughs> and so you you kind of have to like you're kind of spinning plates. you have to like still be a good a good um, police commissioner, but then you also have to keep this mob at bay. Uh, and as you're playing through the game, a, a rival mob kind of starts or a rival gang starts getting involved. and so then you're playing two factions off of each other. and it's it has a fascinating story. It's kind of like a visual novel set in like a gritty crime noir. Uh and I really 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 liked it. Um Man So it, yeah, this is the police is pretty cool.
0: You made that game sound really cool, man. I could really want to play it now. <laughs> That's really cool, man.
1: So what is your game of the week this week?
0: Oh, so my game of the week is the third game in uh the the blue collar worker series by Sega Arcade. It's the King of Route 66. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I guess the fourth one, technically, because there were two Crazy Taxis. Then there was 18-Wheeler All-American Trucker. And then there was a sequel to 18-Wheeler All-American Trucker, The King of Route 66. So, this, uh, I don't know if this one was ever in arcades. I know 18-Wheeler was in the arcades. Crazy Taxi was in the arcades. I don't know if the sequels ever came to the arcades, though. I'm
1: pretty sure it was.
0: Okay, I, I never remember all Kid. yeah i never remember seeing it but uh you know in crazy taxi you're driving around a taxi picking up fares driving them off to the sounds of offspring on the dreamcast and it's a great time had by all in 18 wheeler you're driving the big rig baby and uh it would it had a very like oddly like c- overly complicated shifting system because like a like a real semi there's like i think there's two like there's two shifting two two like clutch uh and transmissions isn't there not two transmissions but you know what i mean like there's like like there's there's like high and low but then you have to shift into multiple gears yeah it's a more complex clutch system than in a vehicle is what i'm like a motor vehicle four-wheeler is what i'm trying to say um so in this one they basically added like parts to upgrade your truck like this one went a lot further because um 18 wheeler and crazy taxi were very arcade style games like what sega did best but they were timed and so you were doing a race and you had to beat a certain amount of time uh and this one actually has like on the back it says branching paths mini games 40 characters and 70 plus parts to build your truck so they tried to add extra elements to it that were Hmm. outside this the base game of 18 wheeler was it still timed I don't. I don't remember. I have to play this again. It's been a while. I I believe it was like like to get through because they still followed that. You have to go through the level, get to a checkpoint to like refresh your clock, just to kind of get the game moving. I think. But we'll we should play this on live stream sometime. And and I know you can't <laughs> see my screen because I forgot to share it with you. But on the cover, it's just black. It says King of Route sixty six, and then there's a silver silhouette of a lady laying down. Yeah. Very very and very very thin stomach and waist and just like bang and hips. So, you know, Big babies? That, that's my, well, of course. Um, <laughs> and, and so, flat ladies. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually it kind of looks like that. Yeah. Like totally not what a real woman looks like. Um, so, all right. So that's, that's, those are our games of the week. Those are some, some absolute ones. Check out out there people. If you get a chance, uh, John, what is in your pickup pile this week?
1: I have a feeling that
0: some of this stuff is going to
1: be similar to yours. So I got my V-blank games for Wii, uh, Shakedown Hawaii and Retro Retro City Rampage, um, which they shipped in really nice plastic V-blank specific uh, game protector boxes, which Mm -hmm. is pretty awesome. Uh, Did you also get these?
0: I did, but I've decided I don't want them in my personal collection. Oh, okay. so I bought a couple for the store for prospecting purposes.
1: All right, um, I got uh, Fahrenheit uh, or um,
0: what the hell's the American
1: name of this game? Indigo Prophecy. <laughs> yeah, Indigo Indigo Prophecy,
0: which um, one of the one of the earlier um, Quantic games. So they made Heavy Rain and Detroit Become Human and Beyond Two Souls, and they did. Uh, Omicron, I think, was their first Omicron, game. the
1: Nomad Soul, yeah, for Dreamcast. Uh, which had David DC. Bowie in it,
0: uh, and yeah. then they did Indigo Prophecy, which overseas was known as Fahrenheit.
1: Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious if this is censored like the PS2 version was, uh, and I think it was on 360 as well, or the original Xbox, um, but there's a sex scene in the game, and in the American version, uh, the topless lady had no nipple. Um, so
0: <laughs> my am kind of wondering my understanding is that's a straight port of the PS2 version to PS4 digital and then they just put that on a disc so I'm pretty okay. sure it would still be edited but I don't know that for sure
1: well because I don't, I don't think the overseas version was edited so I'm kind of curious which version they they dumped um so I got the apple cover of Wattom
0: <laughs> what, what, what the hell is this game why do you keep buying the different fruit covers um, one had an egg on it last week didn't it
1: Yes. Uh, it's made by the guy that made Katamari Damasi. Okay. Um, and it's a game where you start out and you're, like, a little mayor and you, like, you welcome things back into existence. So, like, you're on a flat plane and there's nothing there, and then you do a little couple little actions and then it, it brings something back. Um, it's a lot of putting on hats. Uh, it's I, I like this guy's games.
0: So. so, so while when you described to me this is the police, and I thought that was really awesome and made me want to play the game, your description of Wadum does not inspire me to want to play it at all.
1: <laughs> well, are you a Katamari fan at all?
0: <laughs> yeah, I like Katamari. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, if you, if I mean, you well like enough. Kind of your, I yeah, mean, it's not. It's, it's not, it's not like I played
0: all the way through it and was like, it's game of the
1: year. You know. The um the booklet for this game is hilarious. Uh, it's a, it, it's, it's like a children's book and it, <laughs> it features a like a middle school kid walking home from school and he finds a copy of Wadham on the ground and he says, what is this? A poop game? <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I saw
0: your picture. That was freaking awesome.
1: Yeah. I, I tweeted that at the, the, the guys from how did this get played did an episode about Wadham. And so I tweeted at Heather Ann Campbell from that that show, and <laughs> she she enjoyed that. Um, but yeah, that that game's interesting. I, I haven't played too much of it yet, so I can't really explain it that well. But uh, but I I just need it in my collection. Uh, and then my last game I got this week is the. Uh, how do you pronounce this company?
0: Psycho, Seiko. I think
1: Seiko. Okay. Or... But PSI is Psy. <laughs> um, but whatever. Uh, Seiko, Shooting Stars, Bravo. Um, Amazon had it on sale. Uh, so I picked it up. I've been wanting it for a while. Uh, it's got Gunbird, Gunbird 2, Gunbarchi, which is like Gunbird characters in a breakout style game. Mm, mm-hmm. um, Ten guy, Samurai Aces, and then. Some Japanese gibberish game that I can't read, um, and then besides having the games, it comes in a nice collector's box. There's actually a three-disc soundtrack in it. Like, oh, nice, complete in one of those like old '90s like fat CD cases. <laughs> um, Excellent. And then it's it's got uh, some art cards in it as well. Um, there's also a uh, Psycho Shooting Stars. Alpha, which has a different set of games, and I do not have that one. Nice. Uh so what is in your
0: pickup on? Well, you know, the last couple weeks have been some some bangers. So it is it is pretty paltry this week, I will admit. Um first up are a couple of PS two games which probably don't have like for me they have meaning, but most people wouldn't care. Uh but first up is uh I don't know how I didn't have a copy of this already. But I got Tokyo Extreme Racer Three, which the series definitely went downhill after Zero. Which Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero on PS2, I know you know this. Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero on PS2 is actually Tokyo Extreme Racer Two from the Dreamcast. It's like a direct with some extra content.
1: Yeah, and the trailer for for, uh, Fast and the Furious.
0: Yes. Now I love Tokyo Extreme Racer Zero. It was actually the first Tokyo Extreme Racer I played. Uh, I love that game, and I played it to completion. If there was a platinum trophy on PS2 games, I would have had it on that game. I unlocked, every, I beat every car, I unlocked every engine upgrade. It was awesome. Um, now, the later ones are still made by Genki. That's the company that made these, um, and they just like they had the same feel, but they didn't feel like they were any better. Like they seemed like they were churning these out like every year. There was a new, you know, Tokyo Extreme <laughs> Racer game. Now I have Tokyo Extreme Racer. Uh, which one do I have? I have Zero and I have Drift for some reason, which was like after Tokyo Extreme Racer Three, then they made Tokyo Extreme Racer Drift. So I had Drift. Drift. I'm
1: pretty sure is by a different company.
0: I don't think so. I think it's Genki. Uh, it's it was Genki
1: published, but I'm pretty sure it's a different developer.
0: Well, they, see now it says Crave as the publisher with Genki as the d- developer, but that doesn't mean that Genki just didn't put their name on the box because they maybe they gave the rights to whatever studio was going to make it. Like that's possible. I'm not saying I know that they made it, but
1: yeah, I'm, I'm, I, as the video game weirdo in me, cause I do a lot of like jumping from Wikipedia article to Wikipedia article. Um, I'm pretty sure that the, the drip series was a different series. Like it didn't, it wasn't part of the Tokyo extreme racer series in Japan. And they basically brought it over to the U.S. and slapped the Tokyo Extreme Racer branding on it,
0: which is All also right. why it
1: plays a lot differently.
0: Well, so Tokyo Extreme Racer Drift Two was developed by Genki. Okay. The second one was. So I'm gonna find the first one now. So I'm I told, I'm gonna embarrass you. I you know you try. You, I'm gonna embarrass you because you tried to you tried to tell me I was wrong. I'm gonna embarrass you. Uh, they did develop the first one as well. Now, I will admit that they were a separate series. I do remember that. But, uh, yes, the developer on Tokyo Extreme Acer Drift is also Genki. Uh, So Genki's whatever, right? Like, I don't think they're necessarily a great publisher, but for whatever reason, for me, I love the Tokyo Extreme Acer series. I I just, it's something about it on the PS2, like it grabbed me and it wouldn't let go. Um, They don't have the actual car names in the game. Like, they didn't pay for the publishing rights for those cars, but they put those cars in the game. Every car is a real car. Um, and then what they did was they named the car after like their obscure Japanese, like body types and model types. It's really weird stuff. Like how they got around. Not now. I should say that's in Tokyo extreme racer zero. I don't know how they did it in the later games.
1: I I was going to say, I thought they had real names. You, you might be right though. I mean, they uh... might've
0: done it later. I just know in zero, they didn't have the car names and then they just had, like, a weird, like, just, like, a, a number associated with it. But if you look up that number, it's, like, a body model and type associated, like, in Japan with the vehicle.
1: So instead of, like, the Skyline, that might have, like, BNR 32.
0: Yeah, something like that. Or, or like, okay. you, you'll see something like, a, like TLZ 14. And you look it up, and it's, like, oh, that's the chassis type of the, you know, Celica, the 88 Celica or something. You know, and you're, like, this doesn't make any sense. Um, so I got Tokyo Extreme Racer 3 and I got Tokyo Extreme Racer Drift 2. So I put these two bangers in my collection today. These are, these are some cheapies, but I, I love Genki's racing games. I, you know, I'm a sucker for them. It's fine. Do you have
1: the other drifting games they made and do you know what it is?
0: Let's see. What system is it on?
1: PS2. I believe it was the last game that they published or that they made on PS2.
0: Hmm. Hmm. Uh, it's not D1 Drift because that was by Ux, yes. right? Or is it that one?
1: Uh, I'm pretty sure it's that.
0: Interesting. Yeah, let me look at a list of their games here.
1: I think you're. I think you're right. I think Ux did develop it, but I think Genki published it.
0: Oh. Okay. Huh. Because I, yeah, I know Ux had their has their stuff all over it, but um. Hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah, that game sucked.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's funny they don't even um, like they don't even have it listed here. Uh, maybe it's this one. I was look, I was trying to look up like the games they made.
1: Although I might be wrong, and I might, I'm pretty sure the Genki logo is on the front bumper of the car on the cover of that game. So maybe I'm just getting it getting it messed up with uh, the branding on the car.
0: I don't know, dude. Couldn't tell you.
1: I might be revealing that I'm horrible at this uh, guess the publisher developer game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. So anyway, um, yeah, so the next I picked up a copy of Godfather 2 for PS3. Uh, I played this when it came out, and I actually liked it. One of my favorite things is that you can shake down businesses... So like you literally will take like a business owner up to the roof of their building and you can like hang them over the edge and you have to like balance not dropping them with scaring them enough to get them to pay like their protection money. Uh, I didn't really like the first Godfather game, but the second one I thought was pretty good. Now the reason I took this one was we had a new copy of this at the store. Someone bought it and then didn't like it and they went to return it. And I was like, well we normally don't return new games because we can't resell it as new. And they were like, not happy with my explanation of our return policy so i just ended up returning it through for them after a civil conversation uh and then i was like well you know it's open anyway it's brand new just freshly open fine i'll take this one so i bought this copy myself how much was that game new uh we had it for like 20 bucks 1999 okay Um, Now, this one I'm very excited about. This is one I was actually looking for for quite some time, and I don't know what made me go on eBay and look for it because I looked for it last year for a few months in a row, never found one. Like, even looking for it um, almost every day, never found one that I wanted. And then I looked, and there were like 10 that I could buy. So I picked the best price, best condition (laughs) one, and I'm finally putting in a copy of my... uh, uh, I'm putting in my collection a copy of one of my very first PS one games I ever played. I have incredible memories of this game, even though I know it's mediocre at best, but I bought the jewel case version of the game D. So D is a three disc, like, uh, I don't want to say FMV, but it's like mist, you know, where it's like a screen to screen sort of like puzzle game. There's no combat. And it's notoriously a long box PS one game. They did a very small print run, of a double wide three disc jewel case version of the game. And so while D itself is maybe a 40 to $50 game, the jewel case version goes for over a hundred. And so I've wanted the jewel case version for a while because I just love the jewel case. Like I love jewel cases for PS one games. I think they're like just perfect for games. Um, And so I've been looking for one for a while and I put it to bed and then something tripped a trigger in my brain i said well i'll go take a look and see if there's any available and i found like 10 and i was able to pick the nicest one at the best price i wanted so um but that's it that's those only four games i had in my collection or my pickup pile this week so nice easy week
1: oh i had another i had uh a fun experience with uh, godfather 2 when i played it uh there's a fun glitch in that game so there's there's uh strip clubs in that game just like every good open world game needs oh of course um And uh, so you can go in, and you can have topless dancers and whatnot. And occasionally, the game would just glitch out, and so you'd be like walking down the street, and like just some some naked chick would just walk past (laughs) you as if nothing's going on.
0: Like you're just walking down the streets, and then you see one of the strippers just just shaking her thing on the street for a few bucks.
1: Well, she's not shaking her thing. She's just literally walking down the street as if she's like, "Ah, catch the bus." My titties out,
0: John. I don't know (laughs) if you know this. Obviously, you're not. Obviously, you're not. um, You know, as as up on you know strip clubs as I am, you know. Uh, But you know, strippers they don't wear clothes on their way to work because there's all that effort of having to take them off when they get to work anyway. So they just Ah. go from home to work completely in the nude. So I think that's. I don't think that's a glitch, dude. I think that's how it's supposed to be. It's historically accurate. That's (laughs) how they were back in the (laughs) seventies. It's just very. It's very important to get it right. You know, they really they looked back. Um. So anyway, thank you everybody as always for listening and watching. That's the show today. That's it. A little shorter. Uh. John and I had some long weeks, and well, you know what? It was entertaining. So don't complain about it. It's free. You get to listen to this for free. So, (laughs) so there. Excuse me. Uh. But thank you as always, everybody, for listening and watching. Say goodbye, John. See ya. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye-bye.